Hello! What you're about to hear was originally released as a Patreon-exclusive episode. We'll sometimes make these available to everyone after some time has passed. If you'd like to hear more content like this, you can get access to our full back catalogue right away by supporting us at patreon.com forward slash unramblings. Thanks for listening. Welcome to the pre-ramble. These are shorter episodes that we do just before we record the main episode every time. Uh, they deal with either uh, work that we've seen recently that doesn't justify a full episode or a topic that you know is more all-encompassing of a few works but again isn't worth doing a full episode on or just whatever we've been thinking about recently. This week we are going to talk about the film Solo because we like doing you know hot topics. We're really up to the minute <laughs> with everything. We finally got around to seeing this movie, um, and it got a lot of it got a lot of shit. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that was unfair. I do. I think that that was mainly a factor of at this point, there's nothing that will please Star Wars fans. Like there just isn't, except Donald Glover. Except Donald Glover, which is fair. I mean, he was really great in it. Yeah, but I think that you know he was a shining star in it. But mm-hmm. I think that there was a lot to enjoy in the rest of it. Sure. Um, I realize that everybody has now stopped listening and no longer <laughs> gives us any credit at all. But it is what it is. So I think the first thing I want to say about this is, like, I've for a long time had a feeling that there are films that I enjoy mm-hmm. that people say are really bad, but I can enjoy them. Like, I go into films and a lot of things to enjoy things. It's one of the reasons that we do talk about things that we like rather than things that we don't on this podcast, except mm-hmm. for being John Malkovich. Uh, <laughs> There's a reason that wasn't a main episode, though. Right. Um, but it's sort of the opposite reason why this one's here, is that I think that there's a lot of value in a film that you can just watch and enjoy, and if it's not 100%, 100% of the time, that's okay. Like, there are a couple moments where the writing might not be as strong, a couple moments where the, the acting might not be as strong, but it can still be a fun little romp. I mean... It's like the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. They're fun. I have stopped watching them because of Johnny Depp's weird controversies, um, by which I mean a lot of domestic abuse and then counter-domestic abuse claims, and it's got out of hand. But but it's that sort of fun, silly film, which I think applies to Solo. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I think that it's... like I. Th- I wish that people would have just let it be what it was trying to be, which was a separate thing from like the the major trilogies that now are making up this like was it an analogy? Uh, I think that's what it technically is, um, where it doesn't have all the pressure of being a part of that whole thing. It can just be a lighter, fast, silly adventure, and it's a bit more of a romp. And it, honestly, in a lot of ways, is much more of a return to like the roots of the franchise with A New Hope, which was originally just like a fun space adventure movie. Right. Um, I want to get back into that in, more in a moment. But like, I think like I think it makes a lot of sense that I bring up the Pirates of the Caribbean films in retrospect, because like I think the genre it most fits is Swashbuckler. Yeah, it really is. It's a swashbuckling pirate movie. It's a pirate movie, legitimately. It's just space pirates. Yeah. You even have a giant sea monster in there. Yeah, that that totally happens. 
I guess, kind of a sea monster. The Sea of Space. Yeah. I mean, it's it's the same concept. It serves the same purpose as the Kraken. I was thinking you meant the um, the weird thing that's in charge of all of the urchins in, on Corellia, because it's like underwater or something. Oh, no, no. I'm no, but you meant like the deep space yeah. Kraken type thing. Yeah, yeah. No, that's like, totally fair. They they fly into waters and yeah. there there be beasts. Indeed. Oh. Yes. Space beasts. Yes. And I'm not saying that those films and those stories can't have more important consequence, but I don't know. There's just something about it where I go into it to enjoy it and not with a critical mindset. Yeah. And I don't think that a lot of people had that. And I think that that's the important thing with you bringing up uh, it being kind of like New Hope in that way. But you know what? I think that a lot of people do go in with that mindset for a lot of things. Otherwise, you wouldn't have blockbuster Michael Bay movies and things like that because that's those are things where people aren't looking for depth necessarily and they're not looking they're looking to have a good time they're looking to not look too closely if that makes sense are you suggesting that we're not in 20 years going to be doing a deep cultural analysis of fast and furious 17 i mean we might be there are some i mean i'm not saying there's no like storytelling value in those movies because they're not there is in particularly in terms of the evolution across the different ones you know that how they've kind of gotten into making fun of their own genre and things like that but so i'm not saying there's nothing to talk about there but what i am saying is that people wouldn't make movies like that if people weren't watching them so there there are people but i think because it was labeled as a star wars movie there's like all of this baggage now and it's you know invoked this critical lens like you're talking about where have you there's a weird episode of south park which i i didn't watch a lot of south park but i did watch the occasional one and there was one that was about this tendency to like not be able to enjoy things because you're just picking them apart all the time and everything you look at looks like shit. And they were being super over the top about it where like people had this disease where literally when they went to the movie, everything just looked like literal feces. And it was just like this whole thing. And it was essentially like you've killed your own ability to enjoy things. Yeah. And you are the one who's doing that to you. Yeah, uh, South Park always classy, as I understand oh, oh, super it. Uh, classy. Yeah, <laughs> and and while while that was super gross and heavy handed of a way of communicating it, I do think that that episode had a point where there is now this sense people have this idea that they gain some sort of prestige prestige by tearing things down, and so it's being socially rewarded to shit on stuff and to well, look for the problems. Yeah, and I mean. I don't know how much I've harped on this on the podcast before. I've, I've harped on it a lot. I wrote a master's thesis on it. But there's this idea in academia that there's this literature that is better. It's the canonization of various things, mostly old white people, um, where they have said, oh, this stuff is better than this popular fiction stuff that people listen to, uh, or people read. Um, and again, it's that, well, people are enjoying it. Why are they enjoying it? You should be looking at that. Why does James Patterson sell millions of books? Why are people reading those? You can dismiss it as bad popular fiction, but all you're doing then is just denigrating a large portion of society that does read and enjoy that and not accepting questions of why they enjoy that. And I think that you get that same tendency with a certain kind of Star Wars fan where they've decided that the original Star Wars trilogy was quote literature and they fetishized it to the point where nothing is ever going to be as good as that was mm -hmm. and i mean if you go back and look at that with a really critical eye as you say they were having fun 
it wasn't always great. Like, there's a lot of things that you can pick apart in that. I could probably go off on this for like half an hour because... Yeah. I mean, as you were talking, what I was thinking about is like, I mean, it's it's classism, basically. I mean, it's the yeah. same reason that... Um, and, and not just classism, but all the isms where you're trying to tear people in some way, whether you are uh, clear on the fact that you're doing that or not. I mean, there's a reason romance gets, you know, shit on also in terms of not being acknowledged as like an actual art form and, you know, a legitimate form of of art and things like that. Maybe, and it's because mostly women read romance novels. And there's a reason that for large portions of, in fact, all of our history, there have been systematic attempts to try and not allow the masses, quote unquote, to vote because there's a fundamental mistrust and a fundamental belief that like the masses in general aren't going to make good decisions. They're not going to have the critical lens necessary to recognize good ideas and things like that. And it all kind of circles back to that when you're coming into this idea of like, oh, no, no, some stuff is literature and only like educated and mostly white and mostly older and mostly landowning and mostly men are going to really appreciate this, you know, and it's because of this fundamental denigration of any other kind of experience. Right. And I think that, don't get me wrong, I enjoy the original Star Wars trilogy, but if you look at the cast list for that, it's Carrie Fisher and a load of white guys. Yep. That's that's it. So if you're... And, uh, for, for A New Hope, yeah, because um, uh, Billy D. Williams isn't until... Yeah, he comes um, in in Empire Strikes in Back. In Empire Strikes Back, so yeah. And he's not in a whole lot of it. No, he's I, not. The voice of Darth Vader. Yes, that's but only true. The voice. James Earl Jones. That's right, James Earl Jones. Cannot discount James Earl Jones. Um... So, I mean, if you're looking for representation, you can't go to those films. When we're making new films, you have to depart from that because those were mistakes that were made. Cultural oversights that were super common at the time, but right. no nonetheless oversights. And I mean, to be honest, I'm, I haven't seen the prequel trilogy a whole lot. Really, I just saw Phantom Menace a lot. It was another one of those ones that I watched when I was ill on the couch mm -hmm. home from school uh, and would just watch on repeat. I don't know. It had pod racing in it. What's to be sad? Um, I don't know. I don't remember there being a whole lot of people of color in that either. No. And part of the problem with that one, too, is that a lot of the aliens were racist caricatures. Mm. And that was this whole other thing. It's something that's like probably less evident to a kid, but is pretty fucked up to look at as an adult. Yeah. I don't think that I was in a position to analyze that point, but it's also not the criticism I hear of it. The criticism really? has... Because I always hear the criticism of, like, Jar Jar Binks and, like, the the guy who he was a slave to, which was, like, a horrible Jewish stereotype. The only criticism I tend to hear of it is reduced to Jar Jar, is si Jar, Jar Binks is silly. Oh, see, I always hear it's Jar Jar Binks was racist. Ah, I very rarely hear that. Really? Uh, That's interesting. Um, Maybe I need to reevaluate my social circle, although our social circle is effectively the same people, so... But the other thing with it is that I think that it's shutting out younger generations from discourse on the matter. Mm -hmm. Because I am several years younger than you. And when I saw Phantom Menace, I'd seen the original trilogy. I hadn't idolized it in the same way. I didn't go into it with expectations. Mm -hmm. And as a, a child, 
Mm-hmm. I was I won't give away my full age this time. I'm sure mm-hmm. I have done on the podcast before. Um, not yet a teenager. I mm-hmm. thought it was a fun movie. Mm-hmm. I didn't have anything to really hold against it at that point. Mm-hmm. Partially, I didn't have the know-how to see the issues that might be erased in it. Mm-hmm. But when your conversation about it is so shutting it down and saying it's not as good as the originals. Mm -hmm. It's the same issue I have with complaining that people who vote for stupid things are stupid rather than looking at why they're voting that way and questioning how they've been lied to by propaganda or what fear they might have. When you call them stupid, you shut down a conversation about it. If somebody wanted to come to me and say, hey, so Phantom Menace might not be so bad, well, actually, it's full of racist caricatures. Mm-hmm. That's something I should evaluate. But if you tell me Phantom Menace is bad because Jar Jar Bunks is silly. Mm-hmm. It's Binks. I know. I keep saying Bunks and I don't know why. <laughs> I've never said that before in my life. And now you've done it twice. I have. Um, yeah, like, and I do remember thinking that kind of similar things when I was a teenager and I saw it because and I was a teenager. It was like, you know, it was a... It was, you know, it's a fast-paced adventure movie, but I had seen the trilogy a lot and, like, I liked them better, but probably more to do with familiarity than anything else, but also had a lot of voices in my periphery who are like, ah, it's not as good, you know? Yeah. So there's definitely a lot of atmospheric sort of influence on your experience, and I think that's exactly what's gone on with the concluding trilogy, too, which we... Still haven't seen Rise of Skywalker. We're really, we're, we keep trying to find a good time and there just hasn't been because life has been crazy. And I would like to see it, but I am hearing so many people shitting on it, but I'm sure that it's not as terrible as all these people keep saying because I didn't agree with the same people who were crying that about the previous parts of the concluding trilogy. Yeah. Let people enjoy things. <laughs> right. Quipping jerks. <laughs> Or if people are enjoying something that is problematic, tell them what's problematic about it. Because I would much rather know there's a lot of racist stereotypes than that is bad. I don't like it. It's not the right continuation that I've decided I should get from this thing. Right. Um, And to be honest, I think some of that comes from the expanded universe, too. Because I think a lot of the, like, hardcore fans also read a lot of the books in the expanded universe. And so they have these, like incredibly detailed fleshed out ideas of all these characters and all of these worlds and all of these other like situations that were unfolding in the galaxy around the rebellion and it's that you know the movie will never hold up to the book issue only it's the book the movie will never hold up to the like 50 books or whatever it is and so any like deviation where they can be like oh no no from this other book from this one character like that's wrong you know and I know that Disney wiped away the expanded universe and that was a very unpopular move um but at this point it's kind of like comic book reality where you kind of have to if you want to be able to enjoy anything you kind of have to just be able to appreciate the thing that's there for what it is and not try to evaluate it with some, like, comprehensive continuity in mind. Right. Um, and, I mean, I guess that's, you hit on the point that I see, or the other thing is it's, pe- it's people who feel that it isn't really Star Wars. It doesn't hit the right points. And I feel like it's the same people who complain about George R. R. Martin not finishing in the next book. Like, 
I don't know. Maybe it's different because it's being passed on by someone else. But there's a similar sense of entitlement, like that the people making the art owe you something in terms of the way that it ends up going. And they don't, honestly. An artist can make whatever the fuck they want. And if you don't like it, tough. Don't watch more of their stuff or consume more of their stuff. And other people who do like it can keep doing that. But just because you don't like something doesn't mean it's bad. Yeah, it's the vote with your wallet. It's just that in this case, it's Star Wars rather than Chick-fil-A. Also, don't eat Chick-fil-A. Yep, they're bigots and they suck. um, What movie are we talking about? Solo. It was fun. Yes, it is fun. Uh, It has Paul Bettany in it. Yes. I had no idea until he walked on screen. Yeah, and Paul Bettany is really good in it. I think he's a really underrated actor. For the longest time, I had seen him in Da Vinci Code and an old... Johnny Depp, Angelina Jolie movie called The Tourist. And they're all things where he has like sort of weird minor roles. And then he had his big break into the Marvel Universe with the voice of a robot that does things for Tony Stark for a long time. Mm -hmm. And then I feel like suddenly he became Vision and then he has been everywhere. Yeah. Ellen, he's in WandaVision, which I just saw a trailer for, which looks weird and interesting. It does. Um... But that's a whole other conversation. Um, but yeah, no, the acting in it was really good. There, I can see, I do have a couple of criticisms of it. And really, I have the one. And I did hear this criticism before for like the middle, like, you know, episode eight or whatever, the weird like dice things um, that Han has that are like a good luck thing that he gives to the girl he likes in Solo and then he gets them back. And he apparently, um, after he's died, those are delivered to Leia, and it's part of how she knows he's dead or something, or she has them. And it, and it did feel like those were sort of shoehorned into Solo for the purposes of that larger, like, sentimental moment in Episode Eight, and that didn't really work. And I agree with the people who say that didn't really work. Yeah. Um, but Especially because like, we saw... Yeah. Solo afterward. Yeah. So it, it didn't really mean anything to me when I was watching Episode Eight. But I feel like even knowing this history of that, it still doesn't work, partially because those are so tied up in like his first love romance. And so it's like this weird keepsake of like his first girlfriend that he's now been hanging on to for decades and that somebody is then giving to his wife as a sentimental gesture. Like, I don't know. There's something that just seems a little weird to me about it. You know what I mean? Yeah, it does feel like a stretch. It's I like think- like if I kept... The stuffed animal my prom date gave me and for like 30 years and then when I died someone gave it to you like that'd be weird right it it would be weird for so many reasons like even if I did really like that stuffed animal and like had it in general for a while like it would still be a strange thing I feel yeah yeah that's fair um I think that would have been episode seven, though, not episode eight. Whatever. You know what I mean, yeah. though. Like, um, in, in the concluding trilogy, like, that happened. And, and yes, I agree that Artifact was threaded through the plot of Solo to have that ha- payoff. Yeah, in it all there. feels and a little it, bit forced. Yeah, it, it does. And that is that is a fair criticism. I, I admit, you know, I, it's not perfect, but I don't think it was really trying to be. But I don't think it makes it a bad film. True. Um, I do want to credit it. Like I know that we've effectively said we enjoy it and it's fun and people shouldn't hate on it, but we haven't really said the good things about it. Mm-hmm. I think it does a really good job of painting a Han Solo who 
might want to help people, but might also be reticent to help people because he's seen how that can go in the past. Yeah, definitely. And certainly has, like, it builds up his cynicism for how these things go. Yeah. Um, um, fans of The Wheel of Time will appreciate this comparison. Like, it really does build uh, Han Solo as a sort of Matt Cawthon type character where, like, he says up and down that he's, like, not the hero and not going to help you and, like, you can't trust him. But when the chips are down, like, he's actually, he's there. He's doing the right thing regardless of how much he's griping about it, you know? And th- that kind of in- that kind of character is very endearing. Yeah, it's the, uh, nope, I've done my job. I'm going to take my money and go home. Okay, General Solo, <laughs> how's that going for you? <laughs> yeah. So um, I think that does work. And like his background makes sense in terms of like the kind of choices he does make and how he's kind of a jerk in a lot of ways, which is one of the things about Han Solo in the original trilogy. He's kind of an asshole, like, you know, and there are reasons for that that make sense. In much the same way that they make sense for, like, Mal and Firefly, etc. Yeah. You know? And I think there are a lot of comparisns there going oh, in definitely. the other direction. Probably mm-hmm. quite intentionally. Oh, um, I'm sure. Yeah. But, uh... And, of course, uh, Donald Glover was excellent as Lando Calrissian. Yes. A very believable young version of Billy D. Williams. Very um, good at sighing when things... When yeah. hand does things, really. And very good at turning on a dime. Like, whatever way the wind is blowing, whatever seems to be the most advantageous or the best he can get in the moment. Like, even if he's not happy about it, like, and he'll say, like, I'm not happy about it, but okay. Yeah. You know, but he manages to do it suavely, which, again, is consistent. And I appreciate, like, the clothes hoarseness of, that they've put into that character. <laughs> like, it's just, it very much matches with the man you see in the original trilogy. Yeah. Um, I think one criticism I might have of it, two, um, that I think are broader problems are it's trying very hard to set up a sequel, and I think that kind of makes the ending a little bit less satisfying Mm. because the love interest is, like, taking control of this thing and, like, it's clearly going to be a big thing in the second movie that they then didn't make. Yeah. Um... Like, if they got to make the Lando story that they'd wanted to make and could return to that, I think it would have been really interesting. But with knowing that it's not going to go anywhere, it's just like, oh, well, that's just kind of an aborted plot line at that point. To be honest, I don't think so, actually. Like, I think it works because it helps to support Han's, like, later feeling of, like, no, you really can't trust anyone. You really don't know who anyone is. Like, I thought I trusted... And really knew, right? I did trust and thought I knew this person. We grew up together. I fought for three years to get back to her. And she became somebody entirely unrecognizable to me. Um, You know what I mean? So, like, I don't think that we necessarily need to know what happens with that. Because I think we do know. We do know what happens after Solo. He goes on the job with uh, Jabba. And he does jobs for Jabba, and eventually one of them goes south. We know that she is a crime boss. Like, yeah, okay, there are a lot of those. I don't think it's necessary for there to be more to that, for it to do what it needs to do to tell you who those people become, particularly who Han becomes. I guess that's fair. I think that there's part of me that just wants some sort of closure on, like, I feel that there is an intended closure from that relationship before episode four rolls around. 
Like, I think there's intended to be a point when those two people meet again and probably don't both leave alive. Uh, Maybe, but I don't, I don't think so. And I don't even think it's necessary. I think that it, it works okay. Like, it could continue, but I don't feel like it's a big gaping thing. I'm trying to remember what the other thing was. Oh, um, they try and do the same thing Rogue One felt necessary to do. And with Rogue One, it made a lot of sense where they kill everyone off. Mm. And I think they could have left more people alive. And I think killing some of those people off as early as they did wasn't the best choice. Like the original crew that um, Woody Harrelson has. Mm -hmm. Can't remember his name. Um, I think it's Stanley Newton is in there. Yeah. And and I don't know. I I would have liked them to keep that character around for a while longer. And I think they could have kept Woody Harrelson around in a different capacity at the end. yeah, quite possibly. I I agree. I don't think it was strictly necessary for them to all die. Um, I think that that was done in service of setting it up so it's just Han and Chewie at the end. But, but I think they could have done that, and I think they could have still had the portrayal. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm just not a fan of gleefully killing people off that don't need to be killed off. So. That's fair. Um, I probably need to make this the last point um, that I'm going to put out, at least, is... Uh, <laughs> Just a stupid little thing that amused me in the film was the robot L3. Oh, yeah. L3 is great. Um, I mean, that that's a great character anyway. Mm-hmm. But the fact that her brain ends up getting put into the Millennium Falcon, mm-hmm. I have to assume... Hi, Misty. That's not your food. The fact that her brain ends up getting put into the Millennium Falcon, I have to assume the, there's an intention with the fact that she's called L3 and Millennium mm-hmm. Falcon has three L's. Yeah. Like... I don't know how it would tie together, but it seems too much of a coincidence to have been a coincidence. So, anyway. Yeah, now, I do like that character um, because also in part because it addresses a, just a big issue in the Star Wars universe of you have droids that are sentient and have personalities like C-3PO, which at that point, those are enslaved creatures. They're created creatures, but they're still creatures. Yeah. And Misty is playing with a toy, um, and it probably is going to come through on this recording. But yes, she's it, having fun, so that's okay. If you can hear it, it's the sound of Misty playing with the toy, which Shannon said, oh, you, we've left that in here. Should we move it? And I said, no, they've not played with it in days. It won't be a problem. And yep, that the other, the other sound you can hear is just Shannon feeling very smug, and it just comes through as a warmth when you're recording. Yep. It's a special talent. Um, but yeah, like it actually does call out that issue of, hey, we clearly have these robots with personality and feelings. And like C-3PO feels fear. He's anxious all the time, you know? And so like at that point, you've made thinking, feeling creatures that have that form attachments and have enslaved them. So I love that L3 is like trying to liberate her robot brother her robot brethren. It's kind of a problem that they introduced that in the pre-episode four part of the timeline, and then it's never mentioned again. And it's also kind of a joke, which is also kind of shitty. It's like the house yeah. elf thing in um, Harry Potter, where like the like Hermione's attempt to liberate them is kind of made fun of, and like the end message is that most of them are totally fine with being enslaved. And they're, the thing is, you know, so it's kind of a, it's kind of a problem. I can I can certainly see that it is played for laughs, yeah. But I don't know that it goes as far as the half elves. It's half not elves. as it's not as bad. That's true. It's not as it's not. She's having a great time. Um, it's not as bad, but it is 
there. It's a thing that happens, and that's not cool. Yeah, because, yeah, I guess I hadn't really thought about that. There's very much, like, robots that get freed and then seem a little bit unsure and then start freeing other robots. Mm-hmm. Um, like, it hadn't occurred to them to want to be free for a while. Yeah, and I, I appreciate that it doesn't go the way that the house elf thing does. They do realize, oh, hey, that's an option, yes, and they are on board and they start liberating each other. Um, and that's awesome, but I still think the playing it for laughs thing is not cool. Yeah. I'm, hmm, because they paint Lando as someone who is okay with slavery and sort of lets L3 be like, oh, robots should be free because she's useful. Mm -hmm. And I think that might be its own commentary, but Mm -hmm. because Lando is in his way such a likable character, like, it doesn't really ever set that up as a thing. And there's no one who's like, oh no, L3 is dead. Someone should carry on the legacy and try and free all the robots. They're just like, well, we're going to plug her brain into this now and she can be a ship mm-hmm. or part of a ship. And yeah, so that is kind of fucked up. But Yeah. Overall, though, I think not a perfect movie, but a fun movie that you can yeah. enjoy. Agreed. And I think that when you get to a universe the size of Star Wars, you need to have the films that can be very serious and be dealing with dark topics and you need to have the films that are swashbuckling spice pirates spite and you need to have the films that are space <clears throat> and you need to have the film and you need to have the films that are swashbuckling space pirate adventures yeah i think we've said everything we wanted to say about it yeah the final note just as a general thing is we don't normally talk about star wars it's one of a list of things we have that we don't talk about or at least um, we don't do episodes on, like full yeah. episodes. So we're not going to do full episodes on it. Yeah. Um, at, at least not the ori- the main nine films. There's so much expanded universe. There's so many people that know so much more about it than we do. There's plenty of content on, on it already. It's the same reason we won't touch things like Lord of the Rings as well. But we did do a Mandalorian episode on the podcast. Yeah, and we'll probably do Mandalorian again because it's a new TV series set in a new world and it's not part of the original nine films. So, mm-hmm. yeah. If you enjoyed this, though, go listen to our Mandalorian episode and look forward to the second one. I heard that the second season is coming out in a few weeks. Uh, yeah, I think so, because they had already filmed it before yeah. pandemic issues. So, Well, someone was telling me that um, like, it's kind of a safe thing for them to keep filming because it's all filmed on... like It's apparently all the backgrounds are special effects. Mm. Um, it's using some new technology, so they don't have to go and like film on locations. So ah. they can just throw a couple of actors in front of a screen and go, okay, do your part and we'll put everything else in in post. Cool. I don't know if that's true. Someone told me that and I was like, ha, huh, cool, and never questioned it. Yeah. And now I'm repeating it to you. So <laughs> fact check me. <laughs> okay. Thank you for listening to the pre-ramble. We really appreciate you supporting us on Patreon. Um, if you're listening to this live, please stick around and listen to the main episode. Um, we're about to talk about warm bodies. If you're not listening to us live, then um, why not? You should check in with us. See when we're going to be recording live next. I mean, you you can do it. You're a Patreon already. That's how you're hearing this. Cool. Thanks for listening to the pre-ramble. We hope that you will join us next time. <laughs>